Hey guys, today I sit down and talk to Ross Kinnanen. He's been a good friend of mine for quite a while. His obsession is basketball. So we sit down and talk coaching, playing, mindsets. Ross and I both have a shared interest in business and sales. So the basketball ties into that. A lot of lessons that can be learned from basketball that can be applied to a business sense or career or life. Uh, we had a lot of fun with this one. Here we go. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Hey, Ross. How's it going, Logan? Good. Good. How about you? Not too bad. Good. Uh, early morning. Yeah. We found out there's some lunatics that go to work at 6 a.m. Hey. On purpose. Yeah. It's, yeah. They, it seems like they choose to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is to each their own. But. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about basketball. Okay. Let's get into it. Yeah. So let's set the stage and I'm going to try to remove any youper uh, modesty. You've been playing basketball, what, 25, 30 years? I'm 33 now. Um, so, yeah, since my mom said I could dribble at two years old. Yeah. So she's like, it was unique that I was dribbling a basketball across the living room at two. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would say for 30 years. Yeah. 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 And played as a, I mean, you said you and your brothers were on the little tykes hoop every day. Every. Probably every day. I mean, we might have missed a day when we went camping, right, or whatever. But yeah, when so I got the little tykes hoop when I was in kindergarten, mm-hmm. and we set it up in our basement, and me and Jeff, uh, my closest brother, played pretty darn close to every day. Mm-hmm. You know, battles, probably probably fighting after most of them. One of us, you know, gets hurt before you stop, right? Mm-hmm. It, otherwise, it's just hours of just playing basketball right yeah and eventually you went on to have a crazy solid high school career uh and again you're going to be modest and saying maybe not but you were impressive to watch for you per standards no i i mean i i felt like i did okay uh in high school for up here i mean obviously i was uh i earned mvp my senior year of our conference Mm -hmm. so yeah, I wasn't the worst player on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say it that way. Yeah. But I kind of want to get into the early days and how we got to that point. And then we can dive into some of the specifics of, of that. Okay. But when did you start playing any type of organized basketball? Um, oh, at Staten, we had a fifth and sixth grade team. Mm-hmm. And it's a smaller school. I think I only played in like fourth, fifth, and sixth. Yeah. I think Jeff played third grade. Yeah. Um, so I think we started at the same time. He was a grade younger than me. Okay. Um, so that was probably my first time doing organized. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, it was only with family playing out, outside. I mean, we had a we had a hoop on our garage with, at those years, it was gravel in front of the, 
in front of the hoop where mm-hmm. we shot out there all the time too. Yeah. And then by the time I was getting into high school, we built another garage with a, we put a basketball net on that and the, but the pavement was um, sloped. So it was different heights to the rim, depending on where you were shooting from. Yeah. And then by the time I was halfway through my uh, high school years, we added the court by our pole barn. That's all level and it's a really nice court. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Growing up, the first time I did organize would have been fifth and sixth grade yeah. um, at, at fourth grade. Right. Did you know right away in fifth and sixth grade, like this is your thing? Like you loved it at that, at that point? So going into fifth grade, all my friends played hockey. Yeah. Being in being the UP, everybody plays hockey. Right. I remember being in the sauna, um, asking my dad, I said, Dad, can I play hockey? Right. And it was a straight up no. Yeah. Um, at this point, I'm kind of glad he said that because, I mean, it introduced me or it led me down to where my, I mean, I'm really passionate about basketball, kind mm-hmm. of a basketball junkie. So if I was to go into hockey, I don't know if that would have changed. Or maybe it would have been like, I like hockey, but basketball still where my passion is. Right. Yeah, that's funny. I had the same thing okay. playing elementary basketball. I ended up, I love basketball now. Uh, especially loved it during high school and whatever else. Right. But yeah, middle school or elementary, uh, wanted to play hockey. Couldn't do it. Wasn't allowed. We didn't have the funds as a family or whatever. Yeah. That was the reason here. I mean, obviously being from a big family, those costs just start to uh, multiply. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I still enjoy playing hockey. Um, when I get a chance to do boot hockey and whatever, um, played skate hockey in high school I haven't really done skate hockey so much but mm-hmm. or hockey yeah, but hockey. play a lot of <laughs> <laughs> but it's a you know i play a lot of boot hockey so i have to like yeah you know, yeah they're both hockey but it's it's almost two different sports right yeah yeah so but did it take a while then till you got to the point where you're like this is it i'm over hockey uh, basketball's the thing um i want I don't think so. Um, it was, I remember when I was in seventh grade, I went and Staten didn't have a seventh and eighth grade team. Mm-hmm. I went to Staten until eighth grade. Jeffers starting in high school, Staten only goes to eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in seventh grade, jumped onto the Jeffers team and we had a, just an eighth grade team because we didn't have enough guys even then to have a seventh grade team and an eighth grade team. And so we were, I think we only had one eighth grader on the team. Hmm. We didn't, uh, we didn't win a game at all that year. And we struggled a little bit, but I overheard one of the opposing coaches saying, um, is number 10, the eighth grader. And I was number 10 in seventh grade. And so it was cool for me to hear. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's one of like the first moments I remember thinking, like, okay, um, I could be, I could be pretty good, mm-hmm. even though it's only one year above. But yeah, right. Hmm. Then at that point, or at what point did you start taking it super seriously? Where you're staying after uh, outside of basketball season, you're playing all year, all that kind of stuff. Um, probably around then. Um, Cause then when I went into eighth grade, 
we we were better. We still didn't win very many games. Mm-hmm. And then the varsity coach at the time was watching me play or watching us play and asked me to come to varsity practices. Mm-hmm. And so after the eighth grade season was done, I started going to varsity practices. My mom would pick me up from Staten and track me over to Jeffers every day for practice or when they had practices. So, um, and then, so like all summer, I know I played a lot, um, either outside at my house or open gyms at the school. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know when it would have started, I guess, but for sure uh, by then, if not before of playing pretty constantly. Um, but like those years, I, Grew up watching my older brothers play. Mm. Um, and when you went to games, you just saw what was going on. You're starting to understand some things. Um, and so my understanding of basketball was a lot higher than most of my teammates mm. on in those 7th and 8th grade years. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, tough to say when it started. But um, I know for sure by eighth grade I was like okay this is I have a chance to be pretty good and mm-hmm. and I really enjoy it so I'm just gonna keep playing because it's fun right and I just yeah could could have played almost every day in the that those summers and open gyms all the time and whatever just got as much as I could because mm-hmm. um, yeah that's how much I enjoyed it yeah early on when you were playing was it always just playing or were you doing like drills uh shooting stuff agility stuff um so no shooting was only by myself um and then yeah it was just playing scrimmaging five on five three on three one on one yeah not so much one on one but yeah i enjoy the team game more than the one-on-one game mm-hmm. um but yeah, I never really did drills and like agility things. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back on it, it immediately after my high school career, I was like, I should have did more of that because mm-hmm. <clears throat> the uh, the individual stuff I I lacked on. Mm-hmm. I know I was a good leader and um, understanding the movement of everybody and mm-hmm. seeing where the the pass should be going to and all that, but I lacked on. When, you know, I did have an opportunity to, say, beat my guy off the dribble. Mm-hmm. Um, that Those are skills that I I lacked. Um, and so now I'm getting into coaching. It's something that I, I for sure will take into the fact that as a team, we scrimmaged so much too because we were, we were really good. And was, that's a, a valuable um, thing to do. Mm-hmm. But myself and as a team, we didn't focus on some of those individual skills that, well, would have helped. Yeah. Yeah. What about the weight room at all? Was that a thing for you? Um, I remember when I was younger, uh, there was a a rumor. I don't know if this is true. Never even looked it up. Yeah. I remember thinking that if you lift weights too early, it'll stunt your growth. Yeah. And obviously in basketball, you want to be as tall as you can be. Right. Yeah. Um, So I was like nervous to start lifting weights at Mm -hmm. a young age. Um, So I actually didn't really lift weights very heavily until going into my senior year. Mm -hmm. Um, So then 
in Michigan, the girls played in the fall for the basketball season, and then the boys played in the winter. Now it's the same time in the winter. Mm -hmm. Um, So my senior year, the girls were practicing, so I would go to the weight room because there was adults there, so I was able to lift weights by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if there was an open hoop, I would, after lifting weights, I would shoot around and do some running exercise and stuff by myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my only time as a, you know, playing organized was my senior year and Mm -hmm. that was my best individual year as a player. So I wish I would have did it earlier. I remember thinking that right after I was like, I should have did this earlier for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There were a few guys I Cali met that were hardcore into the gym and they were awesome football players or hockey players because of it. But it was really a mentality of, hey, I play basketball for these three months, maybe occasionally outside of that. I play football, I play track, whatever. Yeah, You're just a three-month, whatever it is at a time kind of guy. That was kind of the general rule. But to really get to the next level, looking back, yeah, you had to hit the gym. You had to focus on what you're doing and, and, and train year-round on it. Right. And there's, you know... Today, there's so much focus on one sport for kids. And I disagree with that a little bit. It's good to play multiple sports. Mm -hmm. And it's just better for development and skill development and whatever, team teamwork, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's pros and cons to each approach. But yeah, that's something like playing against Calumet. We knew that they were always like strong Mm-hmm. defensively strong kids because they're all football players. Right. But we knew that there was rarely like a a team full of shooters. There yeah. would be a, a smattering of them. Obviously, you, mm-hmm. uh, through, when you were playing. Um, but, yeah, we just knew that there wasn't uh, basketball players there. They're athletes, but right. a lot of times it was just not basketball players, which yeah. is – they're two different things in my opinion. Right. For sure. Yeah, my my year, we had some good shooters. Right. Yeah. The, uh, better than me, for sure. But, yeah, we had uh, – there were a lot of years where Calumet just win by sheer strength, and they'd win 26 to 22, you know, just right. crazy low scores. Right. I mean, just defensive slugfest and your um, no easy baskets and yeah. a lot of hard box outs and all that stuff. And yeah, it's cool to see, but, yeah, I like I liked the – the guys that puts a little bit extra time too. Mm-hmm. Then there was when I was playing, Chris and Nick were mm-hmm. good shooters as well, but they were, you know, the only ones on the team really. The rest were just like, yeah, we're out here to pass it to Chris and Nick mm-hmm. and right. get some offensive rebounds to get some putbacks. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So and when we were playing, we had a team full of guys that played all year round and shot a lot so mm-hmm. we could trust everybody else to take take shots even yeah. though we weren't that deep but right yeah. but it was, uh, it was for sure a difference between calumet and jeffers at the time and th- these years like right now there it's different as well so mm-hmm. so then you got into high school freshman you were played on the jv team no freshman i got pulled up to varsity <laughs> okay yeah as as you know practicing with the varsity in eighth grade he obviously brought me up for a reason um so going into it i know the 
JV coach wanted me to play varsity. And I remember being, or JV coach wanted me to play JV. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, 32, Ross, 32, meaning I could play 32 minutes if I, if I stayed at the JV level. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a tough decision. Um, I'm glad I went to varsity yeah. as a freshman, even though obviously we had a better team. The varsity team is better. Um, I ended up starting a handful of games that year. But, yeah, I played 10 to 15 minutes or whatever a game. Didn't mm-hmm. play uh, the whole game by any means. But, um, yeah, I did go straight to varsity. And definitely it was going into my sophomore year. was It was helpful that I played varsity as a freshman. Yeah. Yeah, you're a little bit older than I am. But I remember watching warm-ups. I think I've told you this before, but you're playing in Calumet seeing this guy shoot threes during warm-ups and it's like at one point i'm like wait a minute he just made the last 12 of those and i'm watching and i, I think he made another 12 or something it was like <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing that um you're you're misremembering that a little bit i i was never a like i'm a better shooter today than i was in high school yeah um my form is a little bit different but um so I, it's possible but i i feel like i you're like <laughs> You just like saw me as this player. So you're like, you only see the makes that I made. I probably shot, you know, 15 shots, missed five of them. Means you saw the 10 makes. Like, oh, you made 10 in a row. But I guess either way, let's set the stage. You're a good shooter for sure. If you remove your own modesty from it. When did that happen? As a freshman, were you a good shooter? As a freshman, I was not a good shooter. Um, I. Changed my form going into my sophomore year. As a freshman, I uh, I like put the ball to my shoulder, brought it up, put it to my shoulder, and shot mm-hmm. instead of in front of your eye where you should get a better view, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the JV coach called me uh, 50 cent. He said because I hit the rim 50% of the time, yeah. <laughs> and which is kind of funny. But, um, yeah, it wasn't, uh, was definitely not a good shooter. Yeah. Was was all around player, you know, mm-hmm. pretty good on defense and understanding the game and good ball handler. I right. mean, I worked on that all the time. Um, so it was, yeah, just shooting was this a skill I lacked yeah. as a freshman. Right. So sophomore, you you seen that change? Yeah. So I know. So my coach Dwayne thought I was, you know, I had a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. And Dwayne shot from above his head, right? And his son shot from above his head. So he's like, "Ross, you need to shoot from above your head." Right. Um, so I remember going into my sophomore year. Um, so I wasn't strong enough as a freshman to shoot that way. Right. Um, I was 110 pounds my freshman year, mm-hmm. and I was probably 160 pounds going into my sophomore year. Hmm. Like there was a guy that was around the team that was like, "You're a." different person like he's right. like looking back at later he's like you were a brand new kid going into your sophomore year right so that summer i definitely worked on shooting from a different position mm-hmm. um so i would get it to be you know not behind my head like Dwayne shoots and mm-hmm. right on top of his head like his son ryan shot right i was like i would get to my right above my forehead kind of and sure. that's where my transition period was I would you know bringing the ball up to right there and then you got it into the shooting pocket and then go up right mm-hmm. um so yeah that I spent a lot of time doing that my going into my sophomore year 
mm-hmm. then throughout my sophomore year. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time shooting that summer. Yeah. And I think that summer was when we transitioned from working or, you know, shooting on the, in front of the gravel court mm-hmm. to having a concrete pad to shoot on. Right. Um, cause it was, I think it was that summer then too, that I used to, um, you know, as you spread your fingers out to shoot well, your pinky would stay out. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was shooting in October and it was cold outside and my pinky being out by itself was getting cold. Yeah. So I started tucking it in huh. and now it's tucked in always and it's just <laughs> the same spread out, but it's because of that shooting in October at nine o'clock at night and under the light yeah. that, um, I changed that for, for that. Yeah. And it's still like that to this day. Still like that to this day. Do you think you'd be a better shooter if your pinky hung out? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I thought about that. Like it was something that I was like, I don't, I want to do what's right. I didn't, at then that those days, um, I didn't like go to YouTube and look to see or Google it or anything. Right. Um, there was, do you remember Travis from Chassel? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going into the year. He was a, my sophomore year. He was a senior. Okay. And so he was one, the best shooter. Might be the best shooter I've ever seen. Like he's such a good shooter. Right. And so the, early that season, I was watching him mm-hmm. and he tucked his pinky in too. So hmm. I was like, oh, it's okay to be right. doing that. Because yeah. <laughs> he's a good shooter. So I'm going to emulate what he's doing. So um, I kept it going. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So you had some chilly nights, October. Right. Under the yeah. light shooting. Hey. Yeah. So you can, I mean, um, yeah, you wear long sleeve and pants and you only your hands are out still sweating cause it's, you're moving around and stuff, but right. it was, uh, yeah, your hand, hands got cold. Yeah. But yeah, I did, uh, I did that quite a bit and I know that summer or that, that off season mm-hmm. going into that season, I spent a lot of time doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that made a huge difference then. Yeah. My sophomore year was, was good. Uh, yeah. my brother, my brother has tell, tells me, uh, my much older brother, um, told me going into that, my sophomore year, he felt bad for us because I was, uh, the leader of the uh, leader on the team as a sophomore Right. And we had a couple of seniors, a junior, mm-hmm. and then a sophomore and like four freshmen. So yeah. he's like, you guys are going to get beat up as a varsity team. You right. guys are JV players. Right. Um, but we were 500 that year. So mm-hmm. we were, um, we competed. We we beat some teams. We lost to some teams. Um, right. That was the only year I beat Houghton. Yeah. Um, that we, yeah, that me personally, that I beat Houghton and the, mm-hmm. uh, um, so that was, that was a pretty good year. And it's like, he's like, my brother's like, he's like, you guys are, you guys are going to be pretty good. You have mm-hmm. a chance to be really good when you're this young and you're, um, competing already. Right. So, yeah. <clears throat> the junior and senior, you guys had really good years. Yeah. My, our first good year was actually my senior year. Okay. My junior year, we were a little above 500 then too. Yeah. Um, and then my senior year, we were 19 and one in the regular season. Okay. And lost the one game against Houghton. So, yeah. um, yeah, we didn't actually bring it all together till I was a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so, but my junior year, we did win districts. 
yeah. to get to regionals, which was the first time for Jeffers since, so that would have been 06. I think the previous time was 1994. Sure. So it's quite a few years between district championships. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah, we won districts and it was 76 years for Calumet. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because there's everybody spends so much time playing football and hockey up yeah. in Calumet, right? Basketball is a three-month sport for you guys. Yeah. So that's why. I mean, that's yeah. can can see that right there. Yeah. In my lifetime, I can count like three or four state championships, I think, for hockey. Right. Yeah. We were the first one to win districts in forever. That's so funny. Since then, um, I think it's happened three or four times. And it's always struck me as funny with Calumet that your coach, Mike, was such a good offensive player in high school. I yeah. mean, he's had, he has over 2,000 points in his career, right? Right, right. And he never had a chance really to coach a, a guy that was even close to his level as far as offensive production. Yeah. And right. obviously he was so competitive. So you're – I mean, even if you don't spend a lot of time shooting, you're mm-hmm. going to – you can – learn the fundamentals of defense and learn all that stuff. So you guys always competed, but mm-hmm. nobody was ever just like a, you know, a, yeah, just a offensive, um, whatever. Right. All-star like he was. Right. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see what he could have done if he had some players like himself. I guess eventually he did. Hey, his son who set records at Calumet. Right. Uh, and then he retired shortly after his sons yeah. were done. Or, right. Maybe their senior year. Yeah, I can't remember for sure. But yeah. I liked him as a coach. He was awesome. Yeah. Fiery. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> you said it before. He'd get angry sometimes, slam that bench or whatever else. But as a player, it never affected you. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're just going and working. And, um, yeah, our coach was fiery as well. I mean, we were getting yelled at if we did bad things. and But that's that's good, right? I mean, that's a keep you accountable and yeah. keep you working. So junior and senior year, did you amp up the level of training, playing, practicing? Um, not really. Um, going to my senior year, I did again. Yeah. But so as a sophomore, I was made all conference second team, mm-hmm. and um, then going into my junior year, you, you expect to pro- progress, right? You expect right. to be better. Um, I had probably my well, of the three years, sophomore, junior, senior, mm-hmm. that was probably my worst year. Right. Um, and I ended up making all-conference, you know, honorable mention or something. Didn't sure. make one of the first two teams. Right. Or more MVP. Um, mm-hmm. So I had definitely had a worse year my sophomore year. So then with that in mind, I definitely worked a lot harder going into my senior year. Yeah. Um, we did a lot of open gyms going into my senior year. Mm-hmm. Everybody was excited to get in the gym. When we did open gyms, we were bringing guys locally from here mm-hmm. to come play against us. Travis from Chasso was at a lot of those. And yeah. um, so going into that, he's like, you know, he he had confidence that we were going to be the best team in the league. Mm-hmm. And so going into that year, he, Travis told me, he's like, Ross, you have, a, you have a good chance to be MVP. You should be MVP this year. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of taken aback because we were we were so even right like all of us were our uh, on jeffers were i don't think i was much better than or any better than jeff or kyle or zach um but you know he said i was mvp so i was like i think it's going to be one of the guys that are like 
clearly the best player on their team mm-hmm. as long as they they do pretty good. Right. Um, but he's like, well, the MVP should be the best player on the best team. I right. said, sure. I don't know that would be the best player on the team, but right. um, there's an argument to be made there. What does MVP mean? But mm-hmm. um, So, yeah, so that, yeah, going into my senior year, I definitely focused a lot and wanted to be better than my junior year. Mm-hmm. And as a high schooler, you have other other interests that are mm-hmm. getting the way of, of just basketball. I mean, hanging out with friends and right. chasing girls and yeah. you know, all, the, all those high school things. Right, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So then your senior year, did you guys make it anywhere in the playoffs? So we again won districts. Um, and as a junior, we lost our first game in regionals. Mm-hmm. Um, first time in regionals, it was, yeah, we uh, we kind of took it on the chin. We I don't know if it was even close. I don't remember that game mm-hmm. that much. Um, I remember the coach for uh, Bark River um like pulled me aside after the game he's like he's like awesome job number 10 like you did good he was uh like he gave me a hug and stuff um everybody else gave just handshakes right mm-hmm. um so it was cool to see that from the opposing coach right um and then yeah as a senior we won districts again um and then our first game in regionals we played a team that we beat in overtime earlier in the year Ewan, mm-hmm. um, and we beat them again, and then we lost in the regional final to the number one team in the UP. We were the number two team all year to mm-hmm. Crystal Falls. Sure, and yeah, we we lost by end up. I think we ended up losing by twelve, but um, it was probably a little bit closer than that. And mm-hmm. they were they were solid. They had a they had a few guys that were on there that were. Um, a man amongst boys, like yeah. Brian. <laughs> Brian was uh, Brian LaChapelle. Yeah. Ended up playing three, uh, or could have played three Division two sports. Yeah, like he went to Ferris for golf, and then he transferred to Tech for football. Played mm-hmm. four years of football, and as he was finishing his senior year of football, I was at an open gym with him and Terry Clement, who was the uh, he was assistant coach on the tech men's basketball team at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to get Brian to come play <laughs> basketball. So that's what kind of athlete this guy was in, right. in high school. He was, yeah, he played football all year and yeah. yeah, he was a big, strong kid. And we look like uh, boys compared to Brian as the man on the, on that court. Yeah. But yeah, it was a competitive game. Um, Wish we would have could, have could have done more. Think about that one a lot. Like yeah. uh, going into that game, they in the other regional uh, semifinal, we watched them play, mm-hmm. and one of their strategies was to pound their point guard mm-hmm. all up the court, right? So they had multiple players that would guard them, yeah, the full court, right. and so going into it, we didn't really prepare for that. Should have because all year. I was the point guard, took the ball up every every game, right. all game, um, and so we that's what we did, and it was it worked well for us. But we didn't really have a backup plan, even mm-hmm. though Jeff was very capable of doing it. We just didn't have him do it right. So, and when right. we had to do it in the regional final, we weren't really 
prepared to have a a second point guard. Right. So. Yeah. Hmm. So once that was over, did you have any thoughts of going play anywhere? Yeah, I was getting recruited to play a few uh, D three schools. Went mm-hmm. for a few visits. Did good. I um, got asked to come join Finlandia. I got asked to go play for Northland. Um, but my dad worked at Michigan Tech, so mm-hmm. I chose to uh, to take the better financial decision and mm-hmm. go to Michigan Tech. And my senior year, Josh Bittner, who was a good player at Michigan Tech, now a coach there, and now mm-hmm. he's actually the head coach, mm-hmm. um, was a student teacher at Jeffers. Right. So I asked him, as I had, do you guys do open gyms over the summer? Just to see. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty humbling. I showed up to their open gyms and... You know, I'm generally I'm not the worst player on the floor, right? But in those scrimmages, I was uh, clearly the worst player on the floor. Yeah, and it was uh, it was eye opening. It was fun mm-hmm. to go play and and see that that next level, right. what it would take to get there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought about playing D three, but I chose the decision of just starting, you know, my life as uh, going to school, focusing on school, and yeah. focusing on those those what those next steps are mm-hmm. instead of spending all that time playing basketball. Even yeah. though today I do regret not, not at least playing one year of college. I was going to ask got, you, would, do you wish you would have? Yeah, I wish I would have. Yeah. yeah, That's probably my only regret in life is to, uh, that I wish I would have, you know, bit the bullet, so to speak, as far as the financials and mm-hmm. played at least a year of college. And then maybe I could have, um, you know, gotten that college experience Mm-hmm. transferred to tech and maybe been able to at least join the practice squad not get minutes on tech but be able to right. you know continue to improve yeah. my skills because yeah i was still playing a lot then but obviously not at the d2 level i wasn't playing those guys are playing and working all the time and right i wasn't to that point obviously but i was uh playing more than the average college student while mm-hmm. not being on the team right yeah yeah i wonder how that would have went because I'm thinking of uh, Paul Torla. Right. And he was a great player in high school. So good. But the jump from when he left high school to him coming back from after co- playing college for a couple of years, so significant. Right. You know? Like every, li- every little advantage that you get as a D2 player, right. you take advantage. Yeah. As a high school player, you miss those, those advantages. Yeah. Paul doesn't miss those advantages anymore. So you have to be really on your toes defending him or whatever, because otherwise he's gonna. As soon as you has he has that advantage, he'll he'll take it because you have to at right. the D two level. Yeah, um, but even D three, I bet you would have improved so much right. in a year of basketball. I can I can guarantee it for sure. I could uh, I would have. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, yeah. So looking back, yeah, it's something that you're super passionate about. You love to do. It would have been the right thing to play. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't, uh, I don't like dislike where I'm at in life by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I made fairly good choices anyway. But mm-hmm. yeah, I wish I would have been able to play at least one year of college. Yeah, just to see what it's like. Um, and so it's funny that Northland coach never even saw me play in high school. Mm-hmm. He, um, he just needed a point guard 
and he was calling coaches that um, he had relationships with and if they knew. And it was actually the Ewan coach who we ended up beating twice that year. Mm-hmm. He had called. And that coach is like, you have to look at this this player from, from Jeffers, called me up. We had a conversation. I went down for a visit. That, um, so obviously a coach can't be involved in like an open gym or anything. Mm-hmm. But we end up playing with those guys. Um, that scrimmage, that open gym was one of my weaker ones. I just didn't play very well that day. Mm-hmm. But even from that, um, you know, he had, we were working and um, working on what it looks, what it looked like for me to go to school there. Mm-hmm. Um, had good grades. So I was able to get good scholarships, but in D3, you can't give athletic scholarships. Mm-hmm. So I was, to, I was going to have to pay. It's a private school and it was going to pay a little bit more, but I was intrigued. I would have voted. I would have, if I was to um, play, I would have probably went to Northland mm-hmm. versus uh, Finlandia, even yeah. though I had a good relationship with the coach here at Finlandia at the time. Right. Uh, I still like um, that coach to this day. Mm-hmm. Still, w- when I see him in public, we we visit and mm-hmm. um, still like the guy. It's just that I just would have preferred Northland mm-hmm. in Wisconsin. Yeah. So thinking back to some of those high school days, I'm just trying to think of the uh, any advice you would give to a high school player playing now from a mindset of make the most of where you're at or whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, like if you're interested and you, you want to work, mm-hmm. do that. Like be work on it and work on the individual skills. Um, my mom jokes, laughs, because after my sophomore year, I made a comment. I said, I only have two more years of this. Yeah. So I I knew then that it, it was going to go fast, and it does. It's it's a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's a long time because high school has, you know, it's, you know, dramas at school, and it just feels like it's a long time, but um, it goes by in a blink. So if you're interested and, and want to get better, just do that search out ways there's there's open gyms at other schools even if you, if your school is not going mm-hmm. um and there's coaches that would be willing to spend some time with you develop individual skills whatever um right. so if you're interested do that and i wish i would have done that more done more of the individual skills cuz mm-hmm. i uh, i mean i played with my team which helped us as a team mm-hmm. but yeah the individual skills would have been would have been super helpful. Yeah. What would have helped the most more time in the, in the weight room or more time working on individual basketball drills, individual basketball drills for me. Um, just naturally I was a bigger person. Mm -hmm. Um, like I going into my sophomore year, I put on 40 pounds without really even working out. I mean, you do your chores at home, you're hauling firewood and whatnot, but, um, So for me, the individual skills, the, um, you know, how to take a guy off the dribble mm-hmm. better and more consistently. Cause I had that, that was actually the biggest reason that the varsity coach wanted me to come play varsity my freshman year, because in eighth grade, I would drive to the basket quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like, you need to keep doing that. Right. But I didn't, I never did like 
work on some of those skills. Mm -hmm. You do it in the game and you start to learn those things. You only get so many opportunities to do that, right? So you doing that in a skill development, um, my or style would have been would have been really helpful. Mm-hmm. But but now you're still playing basketball quite a bit, and you've played it extensively ever since high school, right? Yeah. Um, every every time I'm living up here, I moved away from the UP a few times. Mm-hmm. So then in those times that basketball kind of fell to the wayside mm-hmm. um, just because I didn't have course that I knew to go to and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've lived up here most of my life and it's, um, there was probably times where I, you know, a stretch where maybe didn't play for like a month, mm-hmm. but those might, that might be three times over the, over the course of 15 years after high school now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Play pretty consistently in the last um year um yeah i've been playing once a week for sure if not more than that right outdoor court at my brother brother's house that he built it's super awesome full court Mm -hmm. to play on and good crew of guys that goes plays there so it's uh, a lot of fun and yeah just anytime you get into a gym you know i play Mm -hmm. i play quite a bit yeah you think about it a lot outside of playing. Yeah, there was a <laughs> there was a story. My my sister, who's now married to this gentleman at the time, he he mentioned to her. He goes, you know, we've been dating for two years, and he's right. like, I've been to your house so many times, right? And every time I'm there, some at some point, basketball gets brought up. There's right. never been a time I've been at your house where basketball wasn't talked about yeah. <laughs> and i knew we were a basketball family and right. but i was like that seems like a lot yeah. and so ever since i heard that comment this would have been four years ago yeah i was i've been cognizant of if i go to my parents house do we talk about basketball right and it's every time like right. there's at some point somebody brings up basketball whether it's the high school team with their, my nephews and nieces on the teams right or at college level, pro level, we're talking about basketball, and it's uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, we're all we're a basketball family, and we're all basketball junkies. You know, we leave we leave um, you know, cow ball. We leave open gyms, and you know, we're driving together, and that's the whole conversation on the way back is, you know, breaking down what happened. Like you mm-hmm. rarely bring up anything else, and right. if something gets brought else gets brought up, it it definitely gets brought back to yeah. basketball. So right. yeah, basketball junkies. So yeah, I still think about it a lot and, you know, consume it. And I read Zach Lowe on ESPN.com. Okay. I like his breakdown of uh, the pro game. He just talks about the NBA, but mm-hmm. um, I like the way he breaks it down. And right. it's a, uh, so I read it. I read about, read about it, watch it, um, play it, talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Basketball junkie, I guess you could kind yeah. of say. <laughs> it's funny you say that. My thing is mule deer hunting. Right. I love it. Hunting right. in general, mule right. deer hunting specifically. Uh, and my dad and brothers have gotten into it. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten to the point of, a, I'm sure, annoying our wives. <laughs> Every time we get together, we talk about it. You should uh, take note to see if you go to your brother's house, Yeah. Um, if at some point, or you go with your family, if yeah. at some point you don't bring it up. 
be like, hey, that we didn't talk about it today or something. Yeah. Or I'm guessing it's similar to our family where it's like you talk about it every every chance or every uh, every time you're together. Yeah. It gets brought up at least once. Right. I doubt if it's happened. In the last three years, I doubt if we got together and not talked about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how many how many trips have you made out west? Uh, well, we were living out there, my wife and I. All right. Uh, so I hunted out there, scouted, shed hunted year round. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then since then, uh, let me think here. We've made three, one every year. Okay. Um, and then that's just the hunting trips. But then if the, if we're going on a family trip, I'm like we're going west so you know <laughs> yeah and we've she, made three or she four wants of those. to head to a beach south but you're like nope yeah. west <laughs> we're going to the mountains yeah <laughs> <laughs> i can see yeah. that and this uh my brother-in-law now um he's uh he grew up playing hockey so he's yeah. not a basketball guy so he definitely noticed when we brought up basketball so right. i'm guessing your wives as not hunters definitely notice when you guys bring up hunting so that's funny (laughs) yeah and even being aware of it it's like you're so enthralled with it right like you can talk about it all day 100 percent. so it just yeah comes up yeah Yeah, as we're as we're talking here i'm like there's so many things i want to bring up about basketball so it's like um i I know the feeling um for you yeah but for me it's basketball right yeah so we've talked now you're diving into coaching. Right. And you're coaching 7th or 8th grade boys? Yeah, 7th and 8th grade. So out of Staten. So Two separate teams? No, it's one team. So okay. it's a combined team. So out of Staten, um, you know, when I was growing up in Staten, we didn't even have a team. Mm-hmm. When I was in 7th and 8th grade, I was the only player that was interested in going to Jeffers to play. Right. Um, and then when I got to 8th grade, my brother Jeff, um, both of us went and played for the seventh and eighth grade team over at Jeffers. Um, so a lot of schools have enough players to have eighth grade team and a seventh grade team. Mm-hmm. Um, out at Staten, they're just lower numbers. Um, so I've coached two years now. Last year, they chose not to field the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be back to coaching this year again. And I'm guessing they'll we'll have eight players between mm-hmm. seventh, eighth, and then we'll probably even have to bring in sixth graders. We have to we've had to do that the previous two years too. They may have, in order to get eight to nine players, you had to have at least two or three sixth graders. Right. Yeah. So it's just a smaller school. So yeah, mm-hmm. one team, and then um, so yeah, the first year I coached, we had four eighth graders, so we played against eighth grade teams. Mm-hmm. Second year I coached, we only had one eighth grader, so we ended up playing against seventh grade teams okay um so my first year coaching we didn't win a game mm-hmm. um second year coaching we end up winning a couple of games so that was fun okay so we'll see yeah. what this year brings but haven't had our first practice yet so i'm not sure what we're looking at as far as amount of players amount of skill mm-hmm. um but that's coming up in the next couple of weeks you guys gonna ask that's starting soon yeah. yeah the girls season for seventh and eighth grade wraps up i think next thursday okay. is their last game so we could technically start either that friday or the monday after mm-hmm. but um staten co-ops with houghton for football or maybe mm-hmm. hancock actually okay um so their their football season is done middle of the week the, the following week so we probably won't practice until the football season is done just because i know at least a couple of the players that will be on the team 
are on the football team. So mm-hmm. don't want to mix them. Don't have to make them do two practices in one day right. for that. Do you have anybody helping you out? No. Um, so every year that um, I've done it, I've had a nephew on the team. Okay. So my sister will help out with random things outside of practices. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm the only one that does practices. One practice, my brother Troy came. Okay. And but yeah, he was that was the one time over the course of yeah, two seasons. So yeah. but. So eventually you think you'll get into higher levels, get into being a varsity coach? I think so. Depends on what my career looks like and what my work schedule is. Yeah. Um, just because the higher levels are more of a time commitment. Mm-hmm. They're four-month seasons. And then if you want to have a field field a good team, you're going to have to play all, all summer and go open, open gyms and not coach then, but you're still – you're still committed to helping out, right? Right. Um, even though today I do that anyway, so mm-hmm. like that's no that part's no not a big deal. But right. it's the having to leave in the middle of the workday to mm-hmm. go to a game, or so you know my workday is kind of nine to five. Right. Could adjust that a little bit, and I will for the two month seventh and eighth grade season, mm-hmm. but adjusting it for the five month, um, you know varsity season or JV season mm-hmm. is a little bit more of a commitment. So I'd like to at some point, but I just, I don't know if it's going to work out anytime soon. Yeah. If you're 65 and you haven't done it looking back, will you, will you regret it? I'm not sure. It depends on the rest of my life, I guess. Yeah. Um, probably if I didn't at least try it for a couple of years, right? Just yeah. like I would regret not playing uh, college basketball. I think right. I would probably regret not at least trying at the varsity level, the, at least the JV level. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I like being a coach. I like being the leader. Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, my brother Ethan is probably a better coach than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, he was a really good coach when he, when he had a chance to coach, he's not coaching right now, but yeah. I really liked his coaching style. Mm-hmm. We disagree on a couple things as basketball wise, but right. to me, I think he's a he's a really good coach. Yeah, it just feels like a similar story to the college basketball. Sure, you're taking the safe route. <laughs> you know, no, that's a that's that's a good point. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I probably would regret it if I didn't ever get a chance to play. Yeah, I'm gonna read this quote to you. Okay, and I'm stealing this from uh, Clay Newcomb from Meat Eater. Okay. See if this resonates with you. It's been one of my favorite ones lately. This is from uh, the author Robert Morgan. Okay. He wrote the book Boone. It's a biography on Daniel Boone. Okay. So tying that into basketball here somehow. Anyways, in this book, he says this quote right here. And again, directly stealing this from Clay Newcomb from a meteor podcast but it's been my favorite so uh, here it is in his mid 30s a man either reaches out towards risk and glory or stays within the routines of the expected and ordinary it is the age when whitman wrote leaves of grass and columbus started to plan his voyage to the indies 
It is the age at which visionaries become prophets or explorers or inventors or make fools of themselves trying. Putting behind him his accumulated failures and humiliations, such a man must seize the new prospect and ride with it to greatness or defeat. There is no turning back. Hmm. Mid-30s. That's yeah. funny. Oh, I yeah. wish I... You should send me that quote. That's a cool quote. Yeah. Um, so you're thinking that... Like, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I might. That's yeah. funny. I mean, I have I have a few more years of my mid-30s, so right. we'll see how things work out. But yeah. that's a... That's a cool quote and uh, something yeah. I should think about. Yeah. And I stumbled through it because it like resonates with me so much. So it's almost like hard to read it even. Uh, right. And I'm 27 or am I 28? So in my head, I'm <laughs> mid thirties. Right. You know, uh, so this is why you're doing this. That's why we're having this conversation. Yeah. That's part of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was part of what said, wait a minute. I've wanted to do this for a long time. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Like, ride out into the sunset and make it happen? Or do you want to take the safe route? You know, make right. it happen. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I scratched the itch by being involved, nephew mm-hmm. on the team, and friends with the varsity coach over at Jeffers right now. And right. go and hang around with the kids a lot. Mm-hmm. Play open gyms with them. And every open gym, you're, you know, you're, bringing a kid aside and be like in Mm -hmm. this at this point do this instead you know right um just continuing to teach and yeah be you know kind of play that second coach um and leading and whatnot but yeah yeah so yeah we don't we don't have to change your uh trajectory in life (laughs) but i just yeah that's a that's a cool quote though it's something to think about right and i've thought about it enough that yeah maybe at some point you just take that plunge take the do what yeah. you need to do to get to that point. Right. And yeah, I just think I wouldn't be surprised. Say you, I'm just looking at the crystal ball. You get into JV coaching, you get into varsity coaching. You really enjoy it. Really love it. That you find that the coaching is way more rewarding and beneficial or maybe not beneficial, but way more rewarding, exciting, engaging another level beyond the playing the basketball, which is probably hard to imagine. Um, no, I could see what you're saying. I think I agree with that because that's where, I mean, my whole life I've been that way of like everything I knew about basketball. I'm sharing with teammates, with Mm -hmm. younger players. Um, and now that I'm not playing organized, it's even, tenfold to what it was in high school right you're like yeah so i can see the the reward being yeah right being a lot greater yeah because right right now it's that individual like oh i did good feels good to Mm -hmm. do good right but as a coach you're like oh this player that i helped uh progress and teach and whatever is now doing good so it's Mm -hmm. like it feels better to to definitely have that uh yeah, if it would feel better to have that, and right. I've had a few instance, instances of that, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The uh, <clears throat> I asked you the other day, did you have any lessons you can point at from a coach or even a teacher right. that affect you to this day? 
Um, and from that conversation, I had one that I wanted to bring up. And yeah. then since then, I thought of another as well. Okay. So um, I want to bring up both of those. Um, as a freshman on the JV team, um, we were, I think we won six or seven games mm-hmm. that year out of a 20-game season. Right. So we didn't do too great. Not terrible, but not great. Mm-hmm. And after one particular game, um, I don't know which game, what point of the season it was, we walked into the locker room and there was the whole dry erase board was full of notes. Mm. One of the senior leaders wrote down, um, never never fully admitted to it who it was, um, but I know... I know who it was without right. knowing. Right. And on that board, there was a bunch of individual notes for each individual player. Um, every player. So the person who wrote it, wrote it about themselves too. Sure. Um, and some topics for each of us to work on. Yeah. And for me, the topic was don't give up too soon. Yeah. And, you know, so I was, so looking at it, it was the point where, you know, you're, you're playing a game, you're playing mm-hmm. against your opponent, and if you're down by 20 with three minutes left, mathematically, logistically, there's really no way for you to come back and win at that point. Mm-hmm. So as a freshman even, I knew that, and so it was like, I'd be like, well, you could just coach the rest of the game. You don't mm-hmm. have to work hard right. anymore. Um, and that senior leader saw that and was like, fix that. Don't mm-hmm. do that right. because there's value in pushing to the end. There's mm-hmm. value in each individual possession in each individual um, game, mm-hmm. even if you mathematically don't have a chance to win, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that was a was a lesson that I have taken to heart, and mm-hmm. I know to this day it sticks with me sure. um, because even, you know, you're playing open gyms and you're playing these, it's like, you really have a chance to win, but you, you, you just keep buckling down, and because mm-hmm. you're gonna learn things, or you're gonna, you know, get better at this thing, or get better at that thing, or um, so that was a that was a cool lesson for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you ever had to learn that lesson, but that was something that I had to learn. No, I don't think I ever did. Okay, or, or, I'm not saying I didn't try to the end, but I don't have a distinct time where I where I didn't before, and now I do. Right. You know, and yeah. so since that conversation um, and thinking about that lesson, I, I've used that for sure in basketball. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, I haven't used it uh, a whole lot in the rest of my life and in business. Yeah. And so I, uh, I think I'm going to start using it yeah. more there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the other, the other like kind of, game-changing, pun intended, mm-hmm. uh, moment for me was um, after my freshman year, we had the sports banquet kind of. Um, and so all the uh, sports uh, teams at Jeffers get together. They give out individual awards and um, team awards and, and whatnot. So mm-hmm. each each coach goes up there, speaks about their team, and gives some awards and, and whatnot. Um and so as a freshman, didn't earn any awards or anything, but um, my coach, Dwayne, was like, 
as he was talking about me, said, you know, this player has the uh, has a chance to be the best point guard Jeffers has ever seen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going into next year, he'll be captain. Right. Um, so I was going into my sophomore year, which captain is generally reserved for seniors. Right. And so I didn't expect to be named captain going into my sophomore year by mm-hmm. any means. And so at that point, um, I had, I had assuming, um, displayed some type of leadership, um, either as seventh and eighth grader when he was watching me then, mm-hmm. or as a ninth grader, as a freshman on the JV on the varsity team, right. I displayed some type of leadership to, for him to grant that to me. Um, yeah. but yeah, so that was like, okay, I, he sees that I want to dig into that a little bit and, um, yeah, definitely uh, changed my mentality going into my sophomore year and being like, okay, I'm a, as a sophomore, I'm a leader of this team and, you know, empowered me to speak up in practices and to be that way, even mm-hmm. though I probably was already. Right. Um, but it just added fuel to that fire. And yeah. I was definitely, yeah, you know, taking good aside, very vocal in games. Like after a game, my voice would be hoarse from yelling too much. Right. Obviously, you know, you talk about, or any basketball coach knows you can hear a good defense, right? Their mm-hmm. players are talking all the time, and so you're yelling on defense, but then on offense too. As a point guard, you're yelling out plays and you know talking to talking to players, and mm-hmm. yeah, my my voice would be hoarse right. after each individual game. Yeah. So the leadership side of things is something you naturally were anyway, but becoming a captain just brought that to the next level. Yeah, no, I th- I think so. I don't remember for sure, but I I remember always like wanting to have my teammates get better, right? And mm-hmm. being a lifelong student of the game, kind of, I understood things more than most of my teammates because my older brothers played, mm-hmm. watched the game all the time, read about it, just understood things, and so I always shared that. So I definitely had. That leadership, um, you know, quality, I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, that uh, yeah definitely added fuel to the fire, and it was uh, something that I, for sure, attribute to me getting into coaching to this day. Because there was a, even after a, I don't, I'm assuming it was a, a win because we won most of the games my senior year. Mm-hmm. There was a, I don't know who it was, a mom of one of the players or a mom of the opposing players or, uh, some lady that was somehow associated with the Jeffers, you mm-hmm. know, pulled me aside after uh, a game and she said, hopefully you'd be a coach one day. Cause I can definitely see you being a, a good coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, there's a lot of things that, you know, that add, add up to me being this, but yeah, it's a, uh, you know, partly, partly opportunity, partly my own, the way I, I am. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So, yeah. So there's good leaders and bad leaders, mm-hmm. all in how you communicate, whatever else. Do you feel like you were always a pretty good leader? Like you weren't, uh, you had the right balance of uh, tough love and love and support and whatever. Have you had that naturally? I think so. Um, I might even lean towards not enough tough love, sure. being like you know more positive. But right. um, yeah, as a as a coach and as a you need to adjust to your players. Some some players respond to 
getting yelled at and some players respond to you know putting your armor on their shoulder and being like you didn't do good here or whatever but i know you can get be better you know, more right. of like like yeah. a positive spin on things mm-hmm. um so i probably lean a little too much that way right. um of the being the positive side of things yeah. um when i'm coaching when i'm right. playing it's probably a little bit more negative but right um as i'm playing and you know yelling yeah. at the other older guys that are playing with me and right. not doing the right things right but um yeah but yeah um there's definitely a mix and good coaches are able to bounce between things depending on when you need to do it so yeah. um, but i wonder also if you have like a natural tendency or or a gift or a skill or you're better at being this kind of a leader if you more lean in on that versus trying to be something that you're not right and so but the the best coach will um will actually sorry will read um what is best for the player right sure. yeah. um yeah you're probably gonna lean towards what you're more apt to do mm-hmm. um but yeah the best coaches will be able to bounce between for what's best for the team and for the for the kid for the player mm-hmm. right I mean, for the person like for the players one thing and if it's going to help them as a player good but if it's going to be detrimental to, to them as a person that's not good either so you have to balance mm-hmm. all that stuff right yeah how do you think basketball has affected you as a person yeah um I mean, it's a huge part of my life to this day, I guess. Um, yeah. So it's sometimes a distraction from, you know, progressing in business and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like I've passed up on potential opportunities away from the area just to be, I like uh, being around my family when they're playing their games and mm-hmm. my niece and nephews playing and watching their games. Um just so in some ways it's probably been somewhat detrimental, mm-hmm. but in other ways it's, you know, helped me to be a better leader, be a better teammate at work and mm-hmm. uh, being able to, um, you know, come together on projects and mm-hmm. um, just as you have to, as a, as a team, you have mm-hmm. to in, in work life to be able to work together and, you know, be that leader. And um, as of right now in, business i'm not really a, in a leadership position mm-hmm. but i feel like a lot of things that i've done um and obviously coaching has helped me um groom me for to be prepared for it mm-hmm. when and if i do get into a leader leadership position in, in business right yeah yeah <clears throat> so certainly some detrimental aspects i think so of, yeah um yeah, I mean, it's uh doesn't bring me anything besides obviously that joy is good and being mm-hmm. happy is good, but right. uh, doesn't definitely hasn't gained me any money by any means. Yeah, I bet you it has. Sure, I'm saying and because it made you have certain attitudes, work ethics, whatever that apply to your daily life that you don't realize. Right, because I'm trying no. to think. I've had friends growing up who are very anti-sports. I don't don't quite know what it is. Uh, Is it maybe like a click thing or they feel like it's like a a jock thing? I don't don't quite know, but there's something there where they're very against it. 
and maybe it's just young kids being young kids, but they're like anti-establishment or whatever. Right. Um, but my mentality at the time and looking back was that there's a lot of life skills you learn by being a teammate, by losing, by working hard, trying your best and still not being good enough, uh, winning and, and enjoying that success. All that I feel like is very beneficial that you can't necessarily put words on, but applies today mm-hmm. and that it's just beneficial. I think it's good for good for kids or and good for yeah people to go through that adversity and try something that's tough versus saying ah, I don't want to I don't want to be involved I'm um, against the system or whatever you know right no I hundred percent wholeheartedly agree with that point um, and just so for me it's like if it wasn't basketball I'm sure I would have went through that with hockey or whatever mm-hmm. so it, being part of sports is very beneficial to mm-hmm. an individual or a, a team somewhere, right? Being part of a team, right. whether it's a team for other things too. But yeah. um, for me, it's basketball, obviously. But yeah, that teamwork for sure I've learned and gained um, thing or, you know, added things to, to myself mm-hmm. that have, you know, benefited me as an adult for sure. Like that's, uh, I agree with that. Right. Yeah. I've put it away for many years. Like I enjoy playing pickup basketball and I'm super right. competitive in anything that I do, but I put a little bit of that fire of sports. Like I tucked it away. Mm-hmm. I was so competitive growing up, like a lot of people, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's more extremes, whatever, but, and I just loved it. I loved basketball middle school and through and up until you got a license, you had different distractions running around. Right. Um, Every day, not every day, but like a lot of days through the whole year, you'd stay after school and just shoot for hours and hours, Mm -hmm. play for hours and hours. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't get enough of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think there's like a certain, uh, and again, we're not super unique in this, but there's a certain thing that you have to fulfill that I feel with hunting now. And I love it. But that's my way of challenging myself, pushing myself, always having something to work on and developing and that I, I need something there. I, I can't live without it. Hmm. But for you, it's been basketball all the way through. Eh? Yeah. And um, business too. I like the <clears throat> the challenge that business presents in the uh, the. Yeah, the camaraderie of it and mm-hmm. so um it's been a little bit in that too but yeah i i see what you're saying the scratching that um that itch to be to be pre- presented with a challenge and mm-hmm. how to overcome it right and right. doing what it takes to overcome it um so playing now um there's not i mean you you get individual challenges but i'm not like gonna go take the time to really work on my skills mm-hmm. just you compete hard you work hard while you're playing right now it's more to coaching right what is that yeah. what is that challenge how do you how do you learn more to be able to progress your team to to get where they can the team can get better the kids can be better right like what are those things right so that's that next challenge yeah so um yeah it goes back to your point of 
do you take that risk? Right. Um, that's where that it would be that um, challenge would be greater going into that next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, uh, I would enjoy that challenge. Yeah. I'm trying to think of things that I'm into again, the hunting basketball mm-hmm. and I'll get like mini obsessions, ping pong, you know, right. like it's a ton of fun pool. It's all things that are intricate enough or they have enough levels that you don't feel like you've got it down. Even if you've played it for 10 years, you know, whereas some mm-hmm. things it feels like, okay, three minutes in, we're like, okay, we got this figured out. Right. You know, there's something that has to be a, a next level of complexity. And all these things, these mini obsessions, or I guess you'd say basketball and now hunting are huge obsessions, but they all have that where you're never done. You're always improving. I look at coaching for you as saying if basketball's a five on the complexity level, just playing, being a player, that coaching's a 10. You know, you've got so many aspects of it. The technical, the working with your players, working on your communication, um, the psychological, the philosophical, all of it. I feel like there's just, it's it's times two of what being a player is. Right. It may be more than times two, right? Yeah. For sure, there's more complexity as a coach. You're right. managing relationship with the school, with the community, with the parents. Mm-hmm. There's, um, yeah, a ton more complexity. I agree with that. Um, and yeah, that would for sure present a challenge to get into that next level. The mm-hmm where I'm coaching now, a lot of the kids are, they play basketball cause it's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like the Calumet team where they play only during the season. Mm-hmm. It's a, for them, it's a two month season and that's right. a, they'll play. I'm sure half of them or you know, half of them shoot around a little bit at home, but right. not like you or I did where spent almost every day. Um, you could probably, count on a couple hands days you missed right. as a, as a high school player of right. not picking up a ball at least once in that day. Right. Yeah. So for these, yeah, for these kids, their passion for it is a lot lower. Mm-hmm. So the energy that I bring to coaching is lower. I, right. they're good kids and I like being around them and coaching them. Right. But, um, as far as that challenge of, getting to them to where they want to be where they would want to be in basketball right. isn't really there because kind of none of them have that goal of moving forward. So, right. um, yeah, the challenge would be better mm-hmm. for, uh, at the high school level and I would enjoy it a lot more. Right. And again, I don't want to talk you into changing your life path, but like the <laughs> fire in my belly says, you just got to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like you could say all the cliches you want about you'll miss the shots you didn't take and all that stuff. But truly, yeah, I just think it could be so life-changing for you to just dive headfirst into it. But I guess that's how I am. If I do anything, I just dive headfirst. Right. So that's why I'm taking this path of saying you just, yeah. yeah. I scratched the surface. There was a, I was a podcast, uh, not a podcast. It was an interview of a, have you heard of Lucid Charts? No, uh, Maybe. So I, yeah, Lucid Charts is basically online Microsoft Visio being sure. able to you know process map out a business process or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and be able to map out individual things and it's online. So then you mm-hmm. c- collaborate with them. Right. They they've made a big um, 
you know, added a bunch of users throughout the pandemic because nobody's working together in offices. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, working at home. So they definitely added users then so that their their company kind of ballooned up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the the head of that company was, he was interviewed by this other company and the, the interview is on YouTube, which I watched mm-hmm. last night. And this guy says, um, you know, he's like, he did, he was one of the founding members of the company mm-hmm. and he did everything from, you know, marketing to a little bit on the product development, a little bit on the sales side, a little bit on the recruiting and growing. Right. So mm-hmm. he's like, I'm a generalist. I'm, I don't have, specific skills in one area mm-hmm. i know the business as a whole and i have dabbled in many things mm-hmm. and i really resonated with that being a generalist part mm. i don't have a, a, a super strong interest in each individual like one individual thing as far as comes to business right i have an interest in the whole thing right which points me to the fact that like at some at some point be the leader of all those things you know right. Um, cause I have interest in all those things, have a little bit of knowledge in each one of those things. Yeah. And that kind of a little bit ties into coaching too, because you yeah. can't just be a good shooter to be a coach. You have oh. to, you have to understand the full part, every individual player's, mm-hmm. um, responsibilities and, um, and then the rest of managing the team. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so I differ from you in that regard, as far as, you know, having that one individual topic, mm-hmm. it's been basketball my whole life, but not really anything else that is like, I just got obsessed with that one thing mm-hmm. and wanting to grow. I mean, basketball has been that way, but right. That's it kind of. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's interesting. There is a, <clears throat> excuse me. There is a difference in, I, I somewhat looked as the obsessed of saying, Hey, everyone's kind of got the same thing. Like I am all in on this. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can certainly have an obsession and be, yeah, more of a generalist versus uh, I'm in sales. That's my thing. Right. Versus, yeah. And there's yeah. people that are obsessed with sales are good salespeople. Right. And I'm okay at sales, but yeah. I'm not, uh, that's not something that I have a super strong desire mm-hmm. to be better at. So I haven't really done what it takes to become better. I right. should because it helped me, but it's, um, I'm more interested in the, the generalized thing. So, yeah. um, and so that's one, um, a little bit of our argument I have against, um, jumping full heartedly into mm-hmm. coaching. Right. Right. Is that the interest is there. It's always right. going to be there. It's like my hobby, something right. I like to do. Yeah. And so to make it, you know, more of my job may take away from my joy. Yeah. So I'm a little nervous of that before jumping in, but right. You're, you're still going to be able to, if I coach the high school team, like it's not a uh, full-time commitment. It's a strong time commitment, mm-hmm. but then I'd still be able to, you know, have that general business um, side uh, outside of it. So, right. yeah. Huh. And obviously it's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Say you're in the generalist end. I'm on the, I'm all in on this one thing and. I'm not necessarily one on one extreme, like in business, I'm certainly interested in a lot of the big picture, right? What goes on behind the scenes. But I do find that like in podcasting right now, I'm just all in like, mm-hmm. yeah, just hard to describe, but like, or, or with Western mule deer hunting, like, especially when I'm living out there, or even though I'm living up here, it's not even feasible to do, but I think about it. I look at it all year, every day, like, mm-hmm. 
I've thought many times I wish I was a generalist because I would enjoy living up here more because I'd be way more fired up to just go turkey hunting Mm -hmm. or go deer hunting, which I do enjoy and I love it, but I can not replace that pinnacle that is something that's just engrosses you. Yeah. No, that's a, the spectrum is interesting for sure because yeah, you and I are on the, uh, are, yeah, the center would be, you know, halfway between each one and I'm more on the gentlest side and you're more on the, on the, yeah, the obsessed side, but I don't think we're to the extreme ends of it by any means because no, because right. you wouldn't be doing this podcast if you were if you weren't at least somewhat interested in other people's obsessions, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you like to have that general knowledge of many things. Obviously, you already have for as far as our us talking, mm-hmm. you have that knowledge of and the appreciation for basketball, but right. um, and coaching and all that stuff, but. Um, yeah, so that's a cool that's a cool thought, and yeah. I agree with your point too that um, there's pros and cons to each one, mm-hmm. and there would be a pro of living up here and being more general interested in hunting as a whole, hunting right. and fishing as a whole, because the opportunities here are strong. Right. But if you're only interested in yeah Western mule deer hunting, right. Well, or can't really do western <laughs> mule deer hunting <laughs> in copper harbor <laughs> yeah right no i'm a little bit scratching that itch as though you'd say by with Messer, western mule deer hunting we've gotten to overnight camping we did one night last year so i can't say i'm experienced at all but we're getting all kinds of gear same thing we're going to be hiking in camping overnight that's been again i was progressing bringing it to the next level is i want to do the same thing up here so that a little bit somehow fulfills that. And mm-hmm. I find a way like Western mule deer hunting, a big part of it is glassing. So mm-hmm. I find a way to be in an area up here where I can glass through the hardwoods, uh, find a way to hike in a long ways, hike up hills, challenge myself. So somehow a tr- little bit recreate that. Mm-hmm. It is what it is, but yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's Sometimes a cool we thought. better serve to be generalist. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool thought, though. I mean, because you can you can definitely take those things and do them here. Because yeah. that's a yeah. What, what is what's the draw of Western hunting? Is it being in wide open fields? Is it the animal that you're after? Is it the the whole thing? If it's the whole thing, yeah, you can take pieces. But if it's one individual part of it, maybe yeah. you can try to recreate that where it's not uh, where you have to take two weeks off work every year to to be able to get out there, right? No, it is, it is the whole thing for Western, but it's every aspect of it is just a whole nother level. Like, I mean, you're out there, see the sunrise coming up and you're in an area where you can see the sunrise. You're not in a, right. a, a thick bush. Um, the glassing part of it's unreal. Finding deer is a lot of fun with looking through the binoculars. You're looking at this huge landscape uh, and it's not if there's deer there, it's just where are they and are you good enough to find them? And when you find them, are you good enough to sneak within range and harvest that deer? But yeah, so I can recreate parts of it here. But a a lot of this podcast goal for me is to learn about that obsessed trait, where it is in other people, learn little insights about it, 
it's selfish. It let, it let me learn about myself. Hmm. And that right there was my first like, aha, wait, there is a difference between this end of the spectrum and that end of the spectrum. That's interesting. I never would have thought about that. Yeah. Well, it's good that something came of this uh, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, that's interesting. My brother spent time in North Dakota Yeah. and he was really enjoyed, you know, whitetail hunting up here Yeah. until he whitetail hunted in North Dakota. Yeah. And the, the enjoyment of finding that deer, seeing mm-hmm. that deer, and then figuring out how to get close enough for a shot because mm-hmm. you can only bow hunt, right? Right. If you could rifle hunt, you could probably shoot that deer from wherever he saw it. Sure. But same concept of his his enjoyment for hunting here has uh, definitely lessened yeah. with his taste of Western hunting. Right. So um, I've heard stories of, yeah, that ha- happening to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Um, I should probably not do it because I'd have that same thing and I'd mm. probably get obsessed. I like, I like hunting and I enjoy it up here. Right. Um, yeah, I'm sure if I got a taste of the, the thrill of Western hunting, it'd be like some, I, maybe not to the year level, but right. I would probably be like spending money and spending time to get out there. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's certainly guys that are more into it than I am, but I, yeah, I can't get enough of it. But for me, because hunting is such a big part of my life. It ha- it's not like Western hunting has gone up and, and whitetail hunting around here has gone down. They've both gone up together, but it's just that Western hunting has gone up to a whole other level. Okay. So it feels like there's a significant difference, but it's not like the UP interest has gone down the hill. It's okay. still there strong. Like, I mean, I went hunting yesterday. Um, See anything? No. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, bow season started up here, so yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I only do the rifle hunting, so right. um, the bow hunters say I'm not a real hunter. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the, like the I'm all in mentality just says you got to go be a coach, and I just picture this <laughs> grand. 30 years of being a coach and district championships and regional championships. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, you're starting a kid from, Hey, you're in third grade. You should play basketball. Now he's your player. He's doing this. He goes out in the world successful, comes back and saying, Ross, it's all because of you. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know. There's something about it. It's just a, a neat trajectory that right. feels like it'd be fulfilling. hundred percent. That would be fulfilling. Right. But yes, because of our, differences in the way we approach things like um if i can get to that point where i'm coaching a team like i'm confident that i would have at least a couple of those instances of Mm -hmm. someone you know thanking me many years later Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's a that's a funny thing who is who in hunting like do you do you read a individual person you follow people that they've done things and you like like to hear their stories and whatnot and learn from them yeah at the top steven steven ranella okay yep founder of meat eater yeah super interesting uh i have a lot of similar philosophies although a lot of them are influenced by him mm-hmm. you know he has a certain way of looking at things and bringing things to light that yeah 
it's an honorable way to hunt and live yeah. and whatever yeah. else. But yeah. And the, and the, he's just a walking textbook, the amount of stuff the guy knows. And he mm-hmm. just tells stories about anything and everything you bring up with hunting, Western, uh, mountain man history, stuff like that. But it's, uh, I'd say him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I, uh, I have coaches that I really like, like Tom Izzo, Michigan State. Yeah. One of my favorite coaches of all time. He's so fiery. But there's uh, John Beeline, who used to coach Michigan. Okay. Um, he had this way of looking at progressing a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was four stages. And the first stage is you're not thinking about the game or thinking about what you're doing, and you're mm-hmm. doing stupid things. Right. The next stage is you're starting to think about it, mm. but you're still doing stupid things. Right. You're thinking about it, and but you're doing the right things. You're doing the good things. It's That's the third, yep, yeah. third stage. And then the fourth stage is you're doing the right things without thinking about it. Sure. Huh. And so his goal was when he got a player, that was his player uh, development goal, right? Yeah. Like you come in, you're a talented kid, but you do a lot of stupid things without thinking about things, right? right? And then by the time you graduate at Michigan, you're doing this. Hmm. And I um, I really like that lesson mm-hmm. because there's a lot of players that do stupid things when they play basketball right. and they don't think about them. And so like one of the things that I'm like as, as a coach, I'm always like, think about the game. Think about why we're doing this. Like mm-hmm. so you can start to think about things and then progress into do things without having to think about it. Right. You know, and for me as a player, I'm not consistently at the four level, but there are times where I get to the four level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for sure playing with like my brothers. Like we just have that meld. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to think about a cut. If I make that cut, I know the pass is coming from my brother. Right. Right. Um, I don't have to consciously think about it. I just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just, I wanted to bring this up on this podcast, but I was like, I wonder if there's a, a way to tie that into hunting. So like mm-hmm. things that you like progress, like what's that progression look like? Is it similar to these kind of things where you like that, or is it a different type of progression? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And in my head, I'm probably a stage three. Okay. Like I still make a lot of mistakes. I'm not doing things where, you know, flawlessly without doing it. And they're never going to get to that truly perfect standpoint. But uh, you hunt with some guys that humble you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, friend Ricky, uh, mm-hmm. you know Ricky. He's. I uh, thought of. He, yeah. I thought of him as soon as you were talking about that progression for sure. Yeah, I'd say he's got to be at a number four. When you hunt with him, he'll things to him that probably seem elementary. You're doing something, and he's like, "Hey, stop! What are you doing? You know, like yeah. whatever." Yeah, so he, but he's, he's, uh, if you talk about a spectrum, he's probably on the extreme of I'm all in spectrum on right. the hunting side, even further than I am for sure. So he's an unbelievable hunter. Uh, our yeah. friend Troy as well, same thing, unbelievable. Um, but they're, yeah, I, I'd say they're to that next level for sure of, yeah, doing the right thing without even thinking about it, you know, yeah. There's a lot of elements of the hunt that you can think about, like the wind, don't skyline mm-hmm. yourself, how, noise, how you move. But there's a lot of like intangible things that 
you just find a way to get it done. You get in there, you make this move, you go left instead of right. And it's just like a gut intuition thing that is doing the right thing is just learn from many mistakes you've made in the past. Right. Yeah. And that's the only way you get to that point is, I mean, there's one of the, what's that comment? 10,000 hours of, of something right. before you get to be where you're, you know, a proficient or professional or whatever. I'm not sure what the mm-hmm. end goal is of that quote, but right. um, I can see that. I, and Ricky is who I thought of on that, on that scale. Yeah. So when you were talking about it, you're like, you know, you're thinking about it, but you still make some mistakes. So you're like, overall, you're probably between a two and three, Right. Yeah. but you'll, uh, I'm sure just like me, you have instances of being at a four, mm-hmm. like in certain areas of the hunt, you're at a four. Right. And at certain areas of the game, I'm at a four. Right. But uh, there's definitely other areas that I'm yeah, probably at a one. Like I mm-hmm. do stupid things without thinking about it. Right. And, you know, all along that spectrum too. So yeah. You could probably apply that to everything. That's what I was diet, thinking, that same thing, right? Business, mm-hmm. how you drive, whatever, anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know, uh, like, high-level coaches, like, they're philosophers and all that mm-hmm. stuff, right? I mean, they're just, they're so, you know, they're all smart individuals, and they just decided to make coaching their 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 way, or maybe maybe it was decided for them. Yeah. What does that look like? But, right. um but yeah, that's a, it is a, I think it's a good lesson in, in a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know exactly if, if he's quoted about that, but I, that's where I first heard that lesson. Maybe mm-hmm. he didn't come up with it, but mm-hmm. I heard it from Beeline and, um, that's something that I, before I heard it before I first started coaching. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing that I always talked about is like, think about it, think about what you're doing, think about mm-hmm. the game, do like try to do the right things in these situations because it's going to help you be closer to that four all the time right yeah. even though most people are never um, consistently at a four yeah. there's the michael jordans the kobe's the lebron's the right. the top tier players are you know so consistently at a four in the right. top tier hunters steve ranella ricky right they're all pretty consistently at a four yeah. but their their obsession level obsession level must be you know so high to be able to get to that for so sure. yeah. uh, my obsession level with basketball is pretty close to your obsession level with western hunting mm-hmm. which is why i feel like i can sometimes get to a four as right. far as playing yeah. yeah not coaching yet right Hmm. coming on eight o'clock here okay that's quick that <laughs> <laughs> no, was, was a fun conversation i like yeah. uh I, I like visiting with you and like talking about these kind of things. So, yeah. Is there anything you feel we didn't cover that we should in the basketball world or in life? Um, that so a little bit. I was thinking about getting that beeline quote in the whole podcast, but um, mm-hmm. no, I don't think we need to add anything. Yeah. There's nothing that I can think about that, um, that I felt like I wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah. My all in mentality says you got to go coach. But again, you got to make that choice. It'd be fun to see. Right. Uh, no, I, I'm confident I would enjoy it. Um, at the cost of what else? I don't know what it is. Yeah. What that is, but um, obviously there's a, there's a cost benefit analysis to every decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing that you know in in business and in work, um, 
have you heard of the term analysis paralysis mm-hmm. where you spend so much time just thinking about things? Yeah. I uh, lean towards that. I analyze things more than I should. Sure. Um, and so um, I'll probably do the same thing here when I decide whether or not to uh, go into coaching analysis yeah. paralysis and then that'll be 45 and haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. But hopefully that's not the case, but we'll see. Yeah. I gotta have I gotta keep talking to you so you keep uh, pushing me to to do it. Right, right. Yeah, so you gotta come to a... pick up games here so we can yeah. talk about it more. Right. So let's wrap this up. I want to ask you from a coaching perspective, what's your favorite part? For sure, seeing the progression that a player makes or the team makes, you know, throughout the course of the year. Um, you know, as you're going through drills and going through games and going through the season, obviously your goal is to that's. For me as a coach, that's my whole goal is to see that. And when you accomplish that goal, that just just fires you up to continue going and continue teaching and continue working with these players. Um, my first year coaching a group of boys, there was a, a player that was, you know, as soon as he grabbed the ball, he'd kind of turtle away from the defense. You know, he was just like not confident in his ability to just even hold on to the ball. Right. You know, so he was a very beginning player. Like he, he hadn't played basketball very much, you know. And at the end of the year, you know, we all, all year we were working on moves to do when you have the ball to be able to create space for yourself or whatever and, and make a move. And so the end of the year, you know, he didn't, he didn't play a whole lot. He just wasn't that good of a player. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, the very final game of the year, um, he grabbed the ball and he pump faked and the, the guy, his defender went up in the air and he one dribble past him and he shot the shot. And we worked on that all year and, he ended up getting fouled and he go to the, went to the free throw line, but I was just like, Oh, that's just, that, that fired me up so much to see that progression from so far. And then obviously every other year you're seeing progression, you right. know, th- this past year was, you know, the, the, the difference in shooting was so, so, you know, so evident throughout the course of the year. And players were, you know, they're a little bit like, Oh, I don't know if we progressed them off the practice. Like, I, you know, we can see it. And I was talking to him about it on the, one of our last practices. And so, yeah, that, that progression is just, it's cool to see. Yeah, for sure. Is it, uh, I mean, for sure, a big confidence builder for those players to be able to do that. And is that part of what you like to see is just that you can see a difference in their, in their confidence or what? Right. Yeah. Building yeah. that confidence is, is, is big. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's, yeah, that's part of it. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Again, I, I think it'd be neat to see you. And again, you got to make your own choices, but I'd be neat to see you push and get into a varsity coaching position here or, or work your way that way and just see what it's like right yeah and, and and being involved with some of the local teams around here is scratching that itch enough but yeah yeah one day maybe yeah we'll see it happen but thanks, thanks for coming on ross yeah appreciate thanks for having it. me appreciate it it's a good talk hey guys thank you for listening today i hope you enjoyed it if you have and you feel so inclined share this podcast with your friends subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and give us some feedback with a review Until next time, thank you.